This area where we need God to be able to rule and reign is especially shows up in the area of communication, in the area of our tongue. We're here in the third of just a little three-week series of messages called Family Matters, and we've talked about some matters of the family, and we've said that kids matter. Last week we said that marriage matters, and today we're saying that communication matters. Communication is the number one thing that we don't know we have a problem with. USA Today said a few weeks ago that when husband and wives were asked if they were good communicators, 77% of husbands and wives both said they were good communicators. But then when they turned to each spouse and asked each spouse, was your spouse a good communicator? Only 43%. It's the number one problem we don't know we have. And that's really that's not our problem because we're training our society not to think communication is a big deal because it's never taught in school anywhere. We graduate from high school without learning how to communicate. We learn how to spell a word. We learn how to pronounce a word. We learn how to write a good introduction and a good summary to an English paper. But nowhere where the rubber meets the road, when you have to talk to somebody one-on-one, do we teach people how to communicate, how to get your message across. We, we, don't, we don't teach that anywhere. You graduate from high school. You graduate from college. You may have majored in communications, but that's communications theory. That's how to be able to stand in front of a camera and be able to, to communicate that way. But where the rubber meets the road in your home and in your life, when you have to look at another person straight across from you and communicate, we don't think that's important. So some of you right now are not looking forward to this message because it's no big deal. But I could argue or make an argument that communication is the most important thing in this world. Because where there is no communication, there is no life as we understand it. Whether that communication is done by an infant, by them screaming out and saying, my diaper's wet or I'm hungry, and they're communicating in the only way they know how, or whether it's by an 8- or 10-year-old who is somehow learning about body language and that he or she can communicate with their eyes and with an expression on their face without even saying a word, you can communicate because of nonverbal communication. That's why you cannot not communicate. Did you get that? You cannot not communicate. All of you are communicating to me right now. I may be misreading that communication, But all of you, by your body language, by your posture, whether you're making eye contact with me or not, are communicating something to me that I'm reading. And we all do that every single day. You cannot not communicate. You cannot go in a staff meeting and sit there and say nothing, say a staff meeting of a dozen people, and you sit there and say nothing, and you say, well, I didn't say anything. Yes, you did. By your silence, you did. Because people, what's what's she mad about? What's he mad about? They must not agree with what I said. Communication is, is, communication is, 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 is just critical to this understanding of life. Somebody has a stroke and loses the ability to communicate. The first thing a family member or a nurse does is give them a pad or a pencil so they can communicate. And when we're dying, we still communicate by squeezing somebody's hand. To not communicate is to not have life as we understand life. My heart may still be beating. I may still have some brain waves. But if I can no longer communicate, we do not have life as we understand it. So I could argue this morning that communication may be the most important thing on this earth. 
and we don't teach it. We just assume people are going to get it. And where do we get it? We get it from the home that we're raised in. And your mom and dad may have been a good communicators, and they may not have been. The Bible has much to stay, say about this. In September, we're going to spend at least five weeks in a whole series on biblical communication. This Bible is, 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 is just full of of instruction on communication. The Bible in Proverbs says the power of life and death is in the tongue. The power of life, the power of death is in the tongue. I have never had a family and a husband and wife in my office with some kind of difficulty, marital difficulty or family difficulty, where communication skills did not play a significant role in that. Never, never. And I don't ever expect to. It's the number one problem that we don't know we have because we don't see fit to teach it for three and a half years when i traveled around to different places to give business seminars the number one requested seminar is a seminar on communication because they know how much trouble miscommunication happens and so many times we think we've communicated just because we've spoken and that has that has nothing to do with it just because I've said something doesn't mean I've communicated anything. Just because I've said something may mean I've sent a message. But communication doesn't happen until that message that I've sent has been received in the way that I intended it to be received. That message may have been received, but if it wasn't received in the way I intended it to be received, we have miscommunication. And some of the issues that Sue and I are going through now with some with some issues with children's services and with our foster kids and all of that, it, it, it freaks me out what we found out in court three weeks ago that this whole thing may, be, may come down to miscommunication. Ephesians 4.29 is the verse that we're going to launch from. If you have your Bible or if you have access to one of the Bibles that are close to the exits, we have two different Bibles there, one with a black cover and one with a red cover. The only difference is the size of the print. And grab one. Don't be ashamed to jump out of that aisle and grab one and open it to Ephesians. In the black cover, it's on page 816. Ephesians. Four little books that are real close together. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. They're hard to know. George eats popcorn. That's the only way I can keep them straight. General Electric Power Company. Whatever you have to remember to know where you're to find it. Or just drop your pride and go to the index. All Bibles have an index. I hope all Bibles have an index. There it is. Ephesians 4.29, this is the middle of a letter the Apostle Paul wrote that God inspired Apostle Paul to write to the church that meant at Ephesus. And evidently this church had some issues with their tongue. And so he includes several verses. Of This verse will be the anchor verse for today. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
Our words should be, first of all, it's right there in that verse. Our words should be helpful. And you would say, well, duh, that's an ordinary word. What does it mean that our words would be helpful? Well, it says helpful for building up others up, and that little phrase literally means to help someone grow in their Christian life. You know, it's much, e- much easier to be able to tear someone down than build someone else up. You know that? I used to have a poem that I wish I would have remembered this morning that, that, that I would um, give to my basketball players when I was a college and high school basketball coach, talking about that if you want to tear something down, common labor is all I need. I don't need any skill to tear something down. I just need someone that can swing a sledgehammer. I need no skill whatsoever. But if I'm going to build something, I need some skill. It's easy to tear things down. And the Bible says your words here should be helpful for building other people up. And that's why communication is hard, because it takes skill. And we don't learn it. No one teaches it. You've got to go to seminars. You've got to buy books. We just assume everybody's going to get this. So what does it mean to speak helpful words? Go look up to 4.15 in Ephesians. 4.15 in Ephesians. Do we have it up here, please? Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. The truth sets us free. And the Bible says if we speak the truth in love, we will grow up. We will be building up. We will build ourselves up. We will build other people up as we speak the truth in love. Helpful words are, 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 are words spoken, truthful words that are spoken in love. It's easy to speak the truth. It's not always easy to speak it in love. For us to build other people up, we must sometimes say some difficult things, truthful things, but difficult things, but we must say them in love. They won't be able to hear them if we don't say them in love. They'll they'll get their defenses up. Truthful words are words that build people up. Sometimes hard words to hear. I spoke to a a, a lady over a month ago, and and she says, you hurt me by what you said. And you know what I did? I know I did. I said it as graciously and as lovingly and with all the grace that God gave me, but I knew it was going to hurt her. But it needed to be said. I, I said it the best I can. Now, she'll have a choice on whether she heeds that or not. Speaking the truth in love. How many times in our families do words have to be spoken in truth? We avoid them. They're hard words. We don't, we don't know what they're going to say, what our wife is going to say, our husband is going to say. Well, we don't know what the kids are going to say. And we avoid that. And we avoid that. Helpful words are words that are spoken, truthful words that are spoken in love. It's okay to hurt your wife. It's okay to hurt your husband. It's okay to hurt your kids if by the grace of God you're speaking the truth coded 
bathed, soaked in God's grace and love. But it has to be said. It has to be said. I went to the same chiropractor in Georgia as, as some of the people in my church, and I can remember being there, and, and we were talking about Debbie. And I said, well, has Debbie been in to see you lately? Yeah, she comes in about once a week. I said, she's really having problems with her back. He said, I tell, I've told her if she would lose 75 pounds, her trouble with her back would go away. And then she always tells me the same thing, I don't want to hear that. Some people don't want to hear the truth. That's not your responsibility. You have to speak it in love. If you, have a, if you have a relationship with that person, you don't have to go to a complete stranger. You shouldn't go to a complete stranger and do that. In your family, you have an obligation to speak the truth in love. I know a father last week had to go to his 19-year-old daughter and had to say something he was fearful of saying. He was fearful it would make her mad. He was fearful of the answer. But he had to ask her. He says, are you pregnant? We could stick in our hand, hand in the, head in the sand. We could not want to know the answer. We can avoid the issue. And our families continue in their dysfunction. Speaking the truth in love. Not like that. But speaking the truth nonetheless. Words that are helpful are words that are true words that are spoken in love because the text says we'll, we'll then grow up. We'll then grow up. What are other helpful words? The text has it. I'm not making any of this up this morning. It's right there in the text. 426. Is that what we have next? In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. You know what helpful words are? Words that deal with conflict in your family. In your anger, when you get angry, when you get angry, make sure that you don't sin in that anger. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Talk about it. Get it out in the open. Lay it out on the table. Because when you lay it out on the table, the enemy is absolutely disarmed. Because the enemy only happens in darkness and in rumor and in innuendo and in gossip. When you bring it all out in the open, the enemy is totally disarmed. He can't deal with the light. He can't deal with light. Words that deal with conflict are helpful words. Don't let the sun go down on your anger in your family, whether that's with a spouse or with children, because you know what it does? It festers. And when it festers, it gets harder to talk about. And pride builds up. And the next part of that verse that's not up there, it says, or you'll give the devil a foothold. Because that pride will start building up. Well, she needs to apologize to me. He needs to apologize to me. Why should I have to be the one to apologize? And you're just giving the devil a 
an inroad into our marriages. Deal with issues before the sun goes down. And if you don't, they start piling up. And it gets to be a big old stack of stuff that is a mountain to get over. But if you dealt with it when it was just a little bitty, one little thing down there, anybody can be able to get over that. But as you've gone over in days and weeks and months and it piles up and all those unresolved conflicts have piled up now, it's a mountain. And you've got to pay somebody $100 an hour to help you get through it. Helpful words are words that deal with conflict. I had a lady come to me about nine months ago with an issue that could have been a very, very serious issue in this church. She came to me and says, I need to know if this is true. And she told me what it was. I said, there's not an ounce of truth to that. Now, she could have gone over here and talked a little bunch, and she could have gone over here and talked a little bunch. She could have gone over here. She could have let, let it fester for weeks and months, and more people knew it, and all of a sudden, we have this big issue. But she took care of it when it was nothing. Her, no one else in the whole church knew about it. She took care of it when it was nothing, and we were able to successfully deal with an issue that could have been huge for this church because she dealt with conflict. Because she dealt with conflict. I met with a family uh, several months ago, and they had a few things in church they wanted to talk to me about, a few things they dis disagreed with. And, and I, man, I was excited to have that conversation, man. Let's just put it out in the open. I mean, everybody, you know, why do people leave without ever telling the pastor what they're mad about? I mean, I don't understand. Helpful words in your family are words that deal with conflict. Not letting things pile up. Dealing with it when they're little things and not big mountain of things. Don't let your son go down on your anger so as not to give the devil a foothold. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't say that to my wife. I couldn't ask my husband that. Oh, I, I just, my kid, you know, he's already 17 and how much problem is, 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 is caused in our families because we stick our head in the sand and we just won't deal with it. Helpful words are words that deal with conflict. Go back to 429, if you would, please. 429 is our anchor verse. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. We talked last week on marriage matters, and I, I told you, as you already have sure have heard, the differences between men and women. We're different creatures. We think differently. They're di we're just men are from Mars and women are from Venus, all that kind of stuff. We've got to understand that. And, there's, there's, and, and men have different needs than women. And, 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 and I have to talk to my wife according to her needs. You know, that's really hard because she needs me to talk, 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 and I don't want to talk all that time. According to their needs. Gentlemen, they're just different beings than we are. And we 
And we don't accept that at our own peril, in the peril of our marriages. I like sarcasm. It's my favorite, it's my favorite, um, it's my favorite uh, type of humor. I've never met a female that understands sarcasm. They get all bent out of shape about sarcasm. Now, I met somebody after the first episode and said, I love sarcasm. Okay, there's always, there's always, nothing's really 100%. But if I want to joke with my wife, sarcasm is not the best technique to use. She'll either get upset or she won't get it. So I need to joke with her according to her own needs. The words that I speak are should be helpful for building other people up according to their own needs. Wife, husband, you ladies, help us. You have to tell us things more than once. Help us. Don't tell us things when I'm at the computer or watching TV. We don't multitask as good as you do. Sue came in to tell me something yesterday. I was at the computer, and I turned to, I dropped my hands, and I turned and faced her, and, and, and she goes, why you got that bad look on your face? I said, because I'm trying real hard to concentrate because I was concentrating right here, and it's really hard to switch from that right now. And I don't know if any other guys understand that, but that's hard for me. Because I had, I had it going right here, and I was working on my message, and all of a sudden I had to ugh, turn away from that. We don't multitask well. We don't hear things that are couched with a bunch of irrelevant, irrelevant material. We were, where were we yesterday? We were, we were at a garage sale Friday. And I went to ask this one lady something. I said, I can't remember what I asked her, but I just, it was a yes or no question. And so she said yes or no, and then started to, and I said, okay, thanks. And she just kept talking to me. <laughs> and I said, Sue, one, uh, yes or no would have done. And she, she's still talking to me. Thanks, I appreciate it. <laughs> if you have a golden nugget, ladies, of information to tell us, don't make that hard on us by couching it with a bunch of other stuff. Look at all the guys shaking there. You know what I mean. Give us that nugget naked. Don't put anything else on it at all, man. And just, because then we may get it, but you still may have to tell us twice. Don't yell at us from upstairs pertinent information. That we're supposed to pick Christopher up at 4 o'clock. Come and grab me and grab my face and turn it towards you and tell me. <laughs> you avoid the male-female differences at the peril of your marriage. We can laugh. But According to their needs, speak words. Your children. Proverbs 22, 6, raise up a child in the way he should go, and the end he will not, not depart from it. 
we've heard that one way, but I don't really even think it means the way we've always heard it because the way he should go means the way they are bent. The Hebrew word literally means the way that a twig is bent. Your child is bent a certain way. Your child has certain likes, dislikes. Your child has certain gifts, and your child has certain graces. There is easy for a child to go this way. You have to really make him to go some other ways. I've got two boys that at least at 10 and 8, they don't seem to, they're going to be really interested in athletics. They may turn. Now, I can get all prideful about that, that my boys are going to play baseball. Or I can be able to train them up in the way they should go. And it becomes easier when you just go that way. Because that's the way they're bent. And the issue is me taking my pride out of that. Now, if I have a kid that's, 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 that's bent toward athletics, man, you just give him all of your opportunity, and as long as he's gung-ho in it, you, you just you, you steer him that way because it's the way he's bent. You speak words according to the needs of their children. You know your kids better than anyone. How are they bent? What do they like? What they don't like? What are their gifts? What are their graces? There's a way they just naturally want to go. Train up a child in the way they are bent, in the way they just naturally want to go. In the end, they will not depart from it. That's a proverb that really doesn't have anything to do with spiritual. And if you raise them a Christian, they're going to be a Christian. Really, that's not even anything in that scripture about that. According to their needs, according to their needs. Let's finish. Uh, go back to the anchor verse, please, 429. All right, we're not letting any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but we're using words that are helpful to build other people up according to their needs that it may benefit. The New American Standard Version of the Bible is known because it's the most literal word-for-word -word translation. It doesn't read easy, but it's a literal word-for-word. -word. And the most literal translation of the word that the NIV here translates benefit is to give grace. To give grace. That it may give grace to those who listen. The Bible says, I am to be a grace giver with my words. The same exact places in the Bible where God says he gives us grace, it's the exact same uh, Greek word. It's the exact same word. We're to give grace to the people that we're speaking to with our words. And giving grace can mean a lot of different things. God grows us up for grace. So speaking a, word, a truth in love can be a, a grace-giving thing. Helen words with conflict can be grace-giving things. I and my family are to give grace to my wife and my kids with the words that I speak. Now, let me tell you why I gave grace to Levi the other day. He, he had... He, he did something that he shouldn't have done, and, and there was a little discipline. And, and after the discipline was done, I said, okay, Levi, tell me what you did. And he was, well, if you don't know, how do I know? And you know, he's got all hyperventilating. Now, Levi, chill out. Get yourself under control. What did you do? What my fault? 
And he finally calmed down enough to tell us what he did. And I said, that's the reason. I don't want you to think anything else is the reason. Sometimes I wonder if kids really know why they got punished. Did they think it was for something else? Or they must know why they got punished. He spilt a milkshake in the room that all over the carpet the other day. And he spilt a milkshake and he just went off and blamed it on his... It wasn't anything to do with Christopher. Blamed it on Christopher and Christopher and Christopher this, Christopher that. And just, he just threw a flat out fit. And I sent him to his room. I said, I'm not sending you to the room because you spilt the milkshake. I'm sending you to the room because you won't take responsibility for sending, spilling the milkshake. Now, if I hadn't said that, he may have thought he got sent to the room for spilling the milkshake. We can't even mess up around this house. That's grace giving. We have to, the, our kids have to know. Kids have to know what they did was wrong. Or maybe they'll assume something that they did and it really wasn't the thing that you got mad at at all. Lots of ways to give grace with your words. So Scripture tells us, husbands, to give grace to our wives and kids. Scripture tells us, wives, to give grace to our husbands and kids. Scripture tells us, kids, to give grace to your mom and dad with the words that we use. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful. And in the context of that whole passage of about 13 verses there, helpful words are words that are truth spoken in love. Or words that deal with conflict, not letting the sun go down on your anger. According to their needs. According to their needs. According to their needs, different. You've got to raise your voice sometimes with Levi. The only thing you have to do with Christopher is look at him cockeyed, and he'll just go nuts. According to their needs, they're different. It's not a, it's, it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. According to their needs. So you may be a grace giver. So you may be a grace giver. In September, we'll delve into this knee deep. But I couldn't leave a, a, a series on the family without reminding you that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And we ignore that to the peril of our marriages and our parenting and our family relationships. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we all um, entered this church today carrying a concealed deadly weapon and we don't have to have a permit for it and we can just let it rip anytime we want and we can slash people with it and even if things come out inadvertently they're already out and it's impossible to take them back 
So I pray that we would let the river flow in our lives in this area of speech, that we would be people of self-control. We know a fruit of your spirit is self-control. That we would be people that think before we talk. We would not be emotional people and let just words come out of our mouth without our mind being engaged. That we would have control of our emotions. And so not as to say things we have to backtrack on and May our tongues be spirit-filled. Now, just right now, Father, there's some people here that want to talk to you. Talk about something that your spirit has kind of made them mindful of. It may be in the home, it may be in the workplace, it may be in the neighborhood or in the soccer field. But your spirit has been faithful and brought things to our minds as you have brought to my mind as I prepared this message. We just pray you'd hear our prayer now, O Lord. Thank you, Father, for the truth of your word. Uh, Sometimes it cuts sharper than a two-edged sword, but we know that if we'll heed that and apply it to our lives, it will build us up and will grow us into the image of Christ. So thank you for your word this morning. Anything that I said that I shouldn't have said, I pray will not lodge in anyone's mind, and you'll just divinely take it out. In Jesus' name, amen.